All right, everyone, welcome to the Toasty Kettle Podcast, where we help you connect with the past through food. My name is James, I'm your host, and today is episode 58. Before I dive into today's content, I wanted to take a moment to thank you all for finding the show. We've shattered, shattered, shattered the previous listening record in a month. That means more and more of you are just finding us for the very first time. So if food history is an interest of yours or passion of yours, make sure you check out ToastyKettle.com. I have many vintage recipes from the 1700s and the 1800s posted. I also have other podcast episodes covering a wide range of food history topics. Thanks for hanging out with us. I hope you enjoy today's show. Every once in a while, I'll sit back and turn on Food Network. I think that's everyone's guilty pleasure, even if you're not willing to admit it, Food Network. This is often my window into the culinary world. I find new restaurants that I want to travel to and explore. I find new dishes and cuisines I want to try. And every now and then, something will look so amazing, I can't help but put it on my bucket list. One of those dishes is the humble po'boy. Now, I'm going to go into what makes a po'boy as well as the variations on the classic ingredients. But before I get to where we are today, I need to dive into the origins of this amazing sandwich. In the late 1800s, oyster sandwiches were served all over New Orleans on French loaves, and they were called oyster loaves. This is a term that is still being used today. A popular variation on the classic oyster loaf is what they call the peacemaker. This is a delightful blend of fried shrimp and fried oysters. Now, we have the oyster loaf and we have the peacemaker. So how did we end up calling it a po'boy? The story starts with Benny and Clovis Martin. They were brothers who left their home in Raceland, Louisiana, and headed to New Orleans for work. They both worked as streetcar conductors until 1922, when they opened the Martin Brothers coffee stand and restaurant in the French market. Surprisingly, their time as streetcar conductors led to the birth of the po' boy. In 1929, streetcar conductors uh, had a union, and they were in a heated contract negotiation with the transit system. The two sides reached an impasse, and the conductors went on strike. At the time, transit strikes were common throughout the country. However, this 1929 strike got very messy. To this day, it remains one of the country's more violent strikes. The strike began on July 1st, 1929. On July 5th, the transit system sought to end the strike by breaking it up. They thought they'd fire up the streetcars and drive through town like nothing was going on. When they were attempting to run the streetcars, the crowd wasn't having it. The union had brought in career criminals from New York, and together with boisterous crowds, they stopped the streetcar dead in its tracks. 10,000 bystanders watched as the car was dismantled and burned. The public strongly supported the strike. 
They put their money where their mouths were, and they refused to ride the transit system. This all but shut the system down for two weeks. William McCrossan, who was a teenager at the time and later became a fire superintendent in the city, he said, dare not, nobody, nobody would ride the streetcars. Number one, they were for the carmen. Number two, there was danger in riding the cars. So the people striking would persecute you, uh, harass you, sometimes even rough you up if they caught you riding the streetcar. As Williams said, it was dangerous to ride the cars. Businesses were also very supportive of the strike. They donated goods and services to the union to help aid the strike. Among supportive businesses were the Martin Brothers. Now, as I said, they had worked as conductors in the past, and I guess that had somewhat of a soft spot for them during the strike. They, of all people, understood the cause, and they wanted to help. They sent out a letter saying, Our mill is free to any members of Division 194. Their letter concluded, We are with you till hell freezes over, and when it does, we will furnish you blankets to keep you warm. To prove they were men of their word, the Martin brothers fed any striker who came their way. Benny Martin said, We fed those men free of charge until the strike ended. Whenever we saw one of the strike men coming, one of us would say, here comes another poor boy. The Martin brothers decided to innovate on this New Orleans classic. They took this oyster sandwich and they made it huge. Traditional French loaves narrowed on each end. That meant that to square it off and make the sandwich, they began to waste a lot of bread. They worked closely with their baker, John Gendusa, to develop a 40-inch loaf that kept square edges on the ends. This allowed for half loaf sandwiches of 20 inches in length, as well as a 15 inch sandwich and smaller ones. Again, this was a sandwich that was around before the strike. However, no one had seen them this big. Because of their kindness and generosity, the Martin brothers gained a dedicated and loyal following. When the Great Depression began and a lot of restaurants and a lot of businesses were suffering, business boomed for the Martin Brothers. The strike ended. The streetcar conductors all lost their jobs. It was over. Even though they lost the strike, the world gained an amazing culinary addition in the form of a massive sandwich loaded with delicious ingredients. In 1931, the brothers relocated their restaurant to St. Claude Avenue. They were just a few blocks away from the Gendusa Bakery, where they were getting their loaves supplied. They continued to expand and grow their business. As the Depression deepened, families turned to the Martin brothers to feed their families on the cheap. These oversized sandwiches could literally feed a family. Sadly, All good things must come to an end. Eventually, the Martin brothers parted ways and pursued their own interests. Benny held on to the St. Claude location, and Clovis developed several other restaurants through town. It was once said that you could get a sandwich anywhere, but you could only get a poor boy at the Martin brothers. So what goes on a classic po' boy? Until 1970, roast beef was the most popular meat on a po' boy sandwich. 
However, a wide variety of fillings are widely accepted and they're classic. Uh, the one thing, the one thing that must be the same on every sandwich is the bread. If you don't have the French bread, you don't have a po' boy. End of story. Other fillings are going to include fried oysters, fried shrimp, fried crawfish, fried catfish, or hot Louisiana sausage. And a dress po' boy will add lettuce, tomato, pickles, and mayo to the meat. So what about variations? Po' boys have spread far beyond New Orleans. They're common staple all along the Gulf Coast. They have also spread to other southern states and have become a true southern staple. Houston has their own twist on the classic po' boy. They add chow chow, which is a pickled vegetable relish to the sandwich, along with ham and salami and provolone. Antone's famous po' boys was formerly known as Antone's Import Company. This was a Houston shop started by a Lebanese-American, Jalal Antone, in 1962. He wanted to serve Lebanese food initially, but his brother said they'd have a hard time selling food that was so unfamiliar to the locals. Antone instead focused on po'boys. For a time, it was wildly popular in the Houston area. Every year, there's a po'boy festival in New Orleans. Thousands of people head to the city to sample some truly creative takes on the classic sandwich. And some of these sound truly mouthwatering, and some sound incredibly bizarre. I'm going to highlight a few of these. So there's a lobster po' boy. The vendor, uh, GW Fins, always has a long line for this festival. Uh, people wait years in line, literally years, before they finally are able to work the system effectively enough to try it. So they'll wait in line. Fins will sell out. And they have to try again next year. That's what I mean by years. Mississippi Rabbit Salad Po' Boy is also found in the festival. Slow Roasted Duck Po' Boy. A sashimi po' boy containing raw salmon and a wasabi mayo. The Godfather, which might straight up kill you, uh, which contains meatballs, Italian sausage, and brisket topped with marinara, herbs, and cheese. <laughs> It sounds incredible, if I'm being honest, and I want one. Uh, Confit Pork Cheek Po' Boy. That one's done by the uh, Emeril Lagasse's restaurant in town. It's fancy, fancy, and it sounds straight up delicious. You have a Bananas Foster Bread Pudding Po' Boy, who says you can't have dinner and dessert together, right? And then a Pate and Pickled Vegetable Po' Boy. So now some fun facts about po' boys. When the Martin Brothers first launched their po' boy sandwich, a lettuce and tomato sandwich was free. A 15-inch sandwich was 10 cents, and a 20-inch half-loaf sandwich was 15 cents. That puts Subway to shame. When you adjust for inflation, that's just $2.24 for almost two feet of sandwich. That's incredible. Today, the sandwich is much, much more expensive. A po' boy stuffed with fresh gulf shrimp or oysters or soft-shell crab can cost almost 17 bucks. Now, I mentioned the bread. The bread is the single most critical ingredient for a po' boy. It should be crackly but not crispy. 
a doughy center is required. It has a flaky exterior and a fluffy interior. And also a fun fact, the Gendusa Bakery that produced the bread for the Martin Brothers restaurant is still in business today. Because New Orleans lies slightly below sea level, it creates a uniquely humid atmosphere that affects the yeast and prevents the loaves from forming too hard a crust. Combined with local water, the bread baked here is unique. A few master bakers from Gendusa's bakery tried a number of experiments to painstakingly recreate New Orleans French bread in Baton Rouge, only an hour west of New Orleans, and they couldn't manage to do it. This is yet another reason people claim that you can only get a real po' boy in New Orleans. So that's all I have for today's show. I hope you enjoyed the show today. I hope it made you hungry. If you find yourself in New Orleans, make sure you get one of their classic New Orleans po'boys. If you like what you heard today, make sure you leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. That's, again, really going to help grow the show. Thank you all for finding the show, for listening. Until next week.